Yo, it's the most dope show. It's about that time to get live. Take a break from your eight to five. The mother guys don't have the ability to rip it. We kick it. Three guys on representing with the most killer spirit. And we coming with the jokes. So you better grab a good pen and pad for your notes. And forget the mother folks, cause we got the best quotes. Randolph does more than just jokers. He woke and he got the files. Tell Andy Klein to turn up the dial. I don't know where that boy Tim is now. Raising the daughter, he hella proud. Handy is straight up and Randolph ain't here for racist. When Tim Miller hit that got funny as shit. The sock puppets always be there to assist. Too many to name, but they all of this shit. I guess I could try. Love me some Frankie French. Milner and Mike B. Be lit. I cannot forget about Petey and Chris. J.L. Covan with them Trump impressions. Riding Cameron coming from the black guy who tips. That's a whole damn nation, so they always near. Pop, pop, bang, bang. Getting green romaine. Three guys on sock puppet nation. Gang, gang. Yeah. <laughs> what up, Dominic? Puerto Rico, Suave. I know you thought I forgot about you, but I ain't gonna get about you, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Puerto Rico. Uh, Puerto Rico, Suave. Hey, what's happening with Charles? Randolph Terrence. I'm Andy Klein. And I'm Chris Lamberth. Hey, and we are three guys on. Happy Thursday to you. Still in the house, still on lockdown. Some of you. Some of you. Yeah, people are venturing out. People just Some decide there's out. no coronavirus anymore. Yeah, they act like there ain't one. So, I just read yeah. the thing on the news. The doctor was like, oh, that second wave is coming. Yep, give it two weeks. Second wave is coming. Yeah. Well, he's predicting from the first open up before. You know, not even this one, not the rallies, the one before that one. Well, there was a protest. Uh, not yeah. protest. It was Memorial Day before the protest. Yeah, Some... he, Florida's already got it. They're like, they've gotten the most, most of their cases that they've had in X amount of time. Mm-hmm. I don't know the exact numbers, but they got hit pretty good off of the people going to start to go back to the beach again. Yeah, that Ozark, uh, there's, yeah. there is a, at least one confirmed case from that. Um, oh, they gonna, oh, they're going to be more than that. Oh, yeah. No, I, I just I just saw somewhere where there yeah. was like a a confirmed case from that. So I was like, uh. yeah. So give it another two weeks. And then we'll start seeing from the rallies. Yeah. From the protests. it will be probably about two weeks. I mean, if you're going to get it, get it at the rally. Don't get it just because you went to the Ozarks to sit in a, in a germ hot tub. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> One of my homies is from Florida, a comedian friend and, uh, he went down there for two weeks. He drove he drove down there to see his parents and they were kicking it like it was nothing. Like he had a mask on. And they said, take that mask off. Uh-huh. They and guilted he, him into taking his mask off. And now they all got it, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. He, he I, I don't know, man. It's some <laughs> it's scary to me because some people are living like it's not it's not still here. Yeah. So. OK. <laughs> well, all you right. know, there are people are just they've decided that it's not a problem. So, yeah. They're going out. Uh, sidewalk cafes all over the place are packed. You can't eat inside yet. Maybe 50% capacity, but people... It was 95 degrees yesterday. All the sidewalk... All the restaurants by me with sidewalk cafes were packed. Right. Just just up on each other, breathing all over each other, eating salads. Couldn't be yeah. me. I mean, even if there was no virus, it's 95 degrees outside. I know, and I'm yeah. sitting, out in the, sitting out in the heat. Yeah. And not when like the sun is going down, not like that. Like no, this day. was this was like four thirty, five o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, I see yep. them. I see them when I'm driving through the neighborhood. People little, like little to cabin. be out when it's. I mean, I get it, but it's like I'm not going to do that. Well, and and you know, outdoors is it's pretty hard to transmit it, and people get it lulled into that. 
and that's fine, but it's, I think people are going to start getting lulled into taking bigger risks. That's not a huge risk is being yeah. outside near people, but it's only a matter of time till people start thinking, Oh, it's not so bad. I can, I know a couple of people that got it. They barely got sick. It's fine. And yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're, on down. A, you're on a ventilator. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm or someone, you know, about it. yeah. On a ventilator, you know, fighting to breathe. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Yeah. Listen, people, we have a, uh, I promised you guys an interview, uh, Monday for the, uh, for the Patreon listeners, I promised you guys an interview Monday. I was able to pull it off. It took, it took us a while to get it together. I was able to interview Mr. Ellie Mistel. Uh, he's a, a pundit, a Harvard-trained lawyer who is now a, a political pundit on uh, MSNBC. He said he started on Fox, and uh, I first became aware of him on MSW, uh, MSNBC, and I was really taken with his intellect and his passion, and I like talking to smart people, particularly smart black people, I'll be honest. Uh, I followed Chris's advice and I just reached out to him via Twitter and he was uh, gracious enough to do this interview with me. So, and uh, by the way, this is not just for patrons. No, this one is so, not just for patrons. I'm gonna, so you guys got lucky. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and put this one up. You're going to get too many of these <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> freeloaders. So anybody Cheap who bucks. wants to come Sorry. in and listen, Sorry, <laughs> by the way, speaking of that, uh, there is a moment in the interview for uh, people who don't normally listen to this podcast and might be coming to it because of his name is in the description that uh, it is a little, it is a little, uh, what is it? NFSW, not safe for NSFW. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, there's a little bit of cursing. That's me, not uh, Mr. <laughs> just, well, you're not the Harvard lawyer. So, yeah, I was feeling it a little bit and <laughs> I was upset about something. So, we spoke, but that's deeper into the interview and it's just a small little thing. Other than that, I think you guys will enjoy it. And it's about 35 minutes. We had wanted to talk for longer, but, uh, he was under a time constraint. We kind of both were. So we, uh, at the end, we kind of made a thing that we'd speak again. We had a good time. So here you go, uh, Mr. Ellie Mistal. Yeah, see, now we're in the house. Well, yeah, see, now we're in the house. All right. <laughs> yeah, now I got, I got levels jumping and everything. I didn't understand what was going on with that. And, and everybody's trying to adjust to the, the new technical requirements of our age, <laughs> brother. Brother, I have bought a ring light. I got a ring light set up now in my in my little in my little lab. <laughs> I got my laptop set up to plug into my ring light. I got everything up in here now. <laughs> All since the age of the Rona has brought this about. <laughs> I, I'm sure you probably already had one because you'd already been kind of doing this for a minute. Yeah, it's been a. It's actually been great for me because the you know all of my appearances are are free, right? Um, so the biggest cost is time, right? And so when I got to go, I live in the suburbs, right? So if I go have to do a radio show in studio, that's you know like an hour drive into the city for half an hour conversation and back in my car another hour to get back home, right? Right. Um, so all you know unpaid. So like having it all just be like a half an hour. Yeah. It's actually a really it's a lot better. Thing. Yeah. And you're in uh you're outside of New York? Yeah, I'm in Westchester. Yeah, yeah. See, I was I mean, when I was living there. Just if you lived close, like I lived in Astoria, that's that's an hour. <laughs> to 
you know, that's an hour's commute, and it's right across the river. You know, you're yep. still an hour. So I can only imagine going up just to do. You got to drive in. You got to find some place to park, or you got to take public transportation in. You got to fight through that, and then you got to get in there. You're in there for get your makeup on, get everything in, and get in the seat, and then and and we're done. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bye. See you later. <laughs> You can get a cup of coffee if you want some coffee. We ain't got no money for you. You can get a cup of coffee. So what I first became aware of you, and this was uh, pre-Afro, so that's how far back that goes. I became aware of you on a W on a MSNBC on Joy Reid's show. So just to do a little background for the listeners who don't know you, how did you end up uh, becoming a pundit or joining the pundit class? Well, actually, you know, I got my start on Fox. <laughs> yeah, I saw that, and I was going to circle back to that, but you actually started on Fox? That's amazing. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> the very first television appearance I did was on Fox Business News. Um, it's all because of Above the Law. Like, I, I used to be the executive editor of Above the Law, which is a legal website that really focuses on kind of inside baseball, court gossip, and legal news. Um, and I would write, you know, commentary and opinions and do some hard news reporting um, just about the legal industry. And uh, so as the recession was really kind of the first, the last recession, I guess, since we're officially in another one. Right. Um, as, the, as the Great Recession was rippling through the economy writ large, um, it was also, you know, quite obviously hitting law firms um, and young law students quite hard. So my first hits were on kind of Fox business, um, trying to explain how the recession was affecting young lawyers. Okay. <laughs> That's interesting. So they didn't even want you for politics. They just wanted you for Fox business. Yeah, they just wanted me for the, for the legal angle. And then, you know, then from there you start, you know, meeting people, making contacts. You know, I met Kelly McEnany, the mm-hmm. current White House press secretary. That, she was a, oh, a booker for the Mike Huckabee show. So, you know, you, <sighs> you kind of meet people and, uh, then I guess the next really big kind of the, the next time that my profile really raised um, was uh, at, during kind of the Mueller report stuff, um, and Chris Hayes had me on. Okay, um, and then you know Hayes what? Those- I'd be willing to bet that that's where I first became aware of you because I I remember you were explaining law, the law angle of it, and I think yeah. that's where I first really became aware of you was through that. Yeah. And you and were Chris passionate. One of those that shows was another thing like, that really it, got me. <laughs> Chris Hayes is one of those shows where like a lot of a lot of people in the industry watch the show. Right. Um so if you do well on his show, other people, other bookers, other producers kind of notice you. So I got noticed from that and then I was able to hook up with uh, Joy, which really like the the Joy Reed show is, is my favorite and I'm not saying negative to anybody else that I've been on with. I love them all. Absolutely. Um but but joy is like one of the more comfortable spaces for me. Absolutely. Um, and the reason why, and I've kind of I've actually randomly been talking about this today on Twitter. The reason why is that when you're on Joy's show, you're never the only African American on the show. Absolutely. Right? You're never, yep. yep. That's why I watch. You're <laughs> yeah, you know, you're never the only African American on the panel. You're never the only African American um, in the conversation, and that is liberating. People don't understand, like, when, when I'm the only black person on the panel, I can't speak for all black people, right? But right. I have to be aware that I have a black voice now, and, uh, you know, I have a duty to try to represent what I call the center mass mm-hmm. of 
the black community, right? You're trying to say, uh, speak much more generally about what black people think, as if it's a monolith, um, when you're the only black guy on a panel. Right. When you're one of many black voices, you don't have to worry about kind of encapsulating, you know, the entire African-American experience in three and a half minutes. You can. Yeah, the whole diaspora <laughs> now rests on your shoulders. <laughs> you can just kind of speak for you and speak from your experiences and your expertise and, and whatever. And Joy really kind of, because you're never the only one, you know, Joy really allows you to, to do that in a, in, a, in a nice way. And so I think me being more comfortable on Joy, and that did well, and that's kind of how I got involved in this whole uh television pundit. I haven't seen you on in a while. My wife wanted me to ask you. I haven't seen you on in a while. Did you did you run somebody off? Did you end up getting yourself ran off? What'd you do? Did you something happen? Uh, yeah. Uh, they, know, they know my number. Yeah, okay. All right. So it's them. Okay. I thought you yeah, might have you might have got into I'm still a, here doing my thing. Got um, into a um, scuffle. They, <laughs> yeah, if they if they if they would like to hear from me, they they know how to find me. Right, especially now considering um the the legal angles with um things as far as like defunding police and stuff like that, which I have found is is a disingenuous statement that uh the Republicans are not going to try and run with. How do you feel about the and I'm doing air quotes, the defunding of the police force. Yeah, so, I mean, look, I am trying to, and this is, I think, you know, for people who are interested, interested in doing commentary and doing commentary, um, like everybody else, when I hear something that I haven't thought of before, you go back to the books, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to read up on the scholarship that has been built up. There's not a lot of it, but there's some, on defunding the police, on kind of new ways of completely kind of reorganizing police forces. There's scholarship out there that I haven't read, and kind of before I, I go on and really want to you know, stick my flag in the ground as being for or against um, one position or the other, I need to do more research. I need to do more reading. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of people who are interested in this game like need to remember that it's all got to start with facts and research and knowledge um, before you can communicate that knowledge to anybody else. So on the specifics of defunding the police, I am still in the studying phase. Okay. In general, what the, the word that I have used over the past couple of weeks and have used, you know, even going further back, um, I like the word disarm the police in part because I know what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I heard I heard demilitarized today too. I like that one also. Yeah, that's that's fine too, right? Um so I like that word cuz I know what it means, but I also like it because kind of from where I sit, I don't know that we are anywhere close to getting America to massively reconsider whether or not we need police at all. But I do know that it wasn't that long ago in America where cops were not armed to go into Fallujah, right? Right. Like that, that, that is a world that we used to live in right. that's been changed relatively recently. I mean, a lot of it is post-9-11, kind of having terror squad, ter- anti-terrorism squads you know, out there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I read it. There's a great book by um, Radley uh, uh, Balco um, that uh, I think it's called The Rise of the Warrior Cop. Mm-hmm. And he really kind of traces how, you know, in 1980, we didn't have armored personnel carriers 
um, running around our streets for local police. We didn't have assault rifles. We didn't have SWAT teams, mm-hmm. you know, in 1979. Um, so all this, the militarization of the police is a huge problem, and it's a problem that I feel like we can fix. Yeah, uh, Howard Bryant wrote, Howard Bryant has written extensively about that also. He in his both of his books he traced it directly to nine eleven that um the the military the the rise of the military across the board after nine eleven resulted in the militarization of police. And also the hero worship the hero worshiping angle, which has always kind of been there, but it really ratcheted up after nine eleven. Yeah, this this to me is one of Giuliani's worst legacies, and I say that knowing all of the bad legacies yeah, of Giuliani. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. This is one of his I mean, it's all gradations. Effects, right? yeah, it's all gradations. <laughs> it's just right, right, what right. levels are you? So, at? Yeah, I think I think that if you if you focus on disarming, if you focus on demilitarizing, what you can imagine is having cops go back to a to a state where they are community peace enforcers mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, armed agents of the state, right? And that and that is that is an important part of the change. That's not that's not gonna solve all the problems. I mean look, we're 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 all protesting about George Floyd. You know, they didn't use any weapons on George Floyd, I right? Know. Like that, a cop can take your life without without a gun just as easily as he can with a gun. So, so I'm not saying that demilitarization solves all of our problems, but I think it, it, it begins, it, it changes the way that police present to people. One of the things I've said, and, and I, if, you, if you will allow, like the, it's important for people to contextualize these protests. Um, black people have television, too. Mm-hmm. We all just saw earlier this spring white people with guns and a lot of times Confederate flags, getting out there in cops' faces to protest over having a haircut. Right. And we saw cops act with restraint. We saw cops act with um, respect. Um, We all saw that on our televisions all throughout the spring. So now when black people show up to their protests and the cops... The cops show up in riot gear, Mm -hmm. right? The cops show up with tear gas before... Before the megaphone even comes out, um, black people notice that. Black people notice the disparate treatment that we get at the co- we get from the cops, and that inflames tensions before anything even happens. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if the cops show up on I don't know bicycles as opposed to tanks, that's an entirely different kind of vibe and feel for your protest. So that's you know one of the many reasons why taking away some of the cops' toys. Um, can be so impactful in changing their relationship with the citizens. I wonder, though, um, was there ever a time, and I personally don't believe this, but was there ever a time that um, there was a point where police were serving the black community, serving our community, as opposed to serving one community, and I call it the, the three C's, contain, corralling, and controlling another community. You know, there's always been a distinction that, I, that I've seen. Like, so, as you say, you can take away every, every weapon you want. You can defund them down to zero. As long as if you're hiring the same people and you're having those same practices, then you're going to get the same results. It'll just be with fists and knees. Yep, I, yes, that's... That's true. That's how you get to the abolish the police or, yeah. or you know, d- defund the police. That's how you get to that 
level when you when you recognize that in history we've never got policing right, right. Um, as it pertains to the black community. Right. Well, I mean, they did get it right in the, in the sense that the police were designed to uh, catch and catch and catch and bring back slaves. So yeah, they. Oh, yes. They got that part right. <laughs> White people have always, have always gotten the police right. I meant that yeah. blacks that we've never we. gotten the police right in terms of protecting yeah. black people. Yeah. Right? That's, yeah. that's never happened. Yeah, so they've always done their function. Just as it's, we need to change what the what the functionality I I believe is. That's why I believe in a complete re- reimagining of of what policing should be. I don't know if well, this country's up to it. <laughs> I, I, no, I agree. And, I, and look, I think another huge issue here is that we ask the police to do way too yes, much. Yes, yes, like, yes. Like there's, yes. There, I, I've, I've written before. You know, if my house is on fire, I can call the fire department. Mm-hmm. If I have a heart attack, I can call an ambulance. But if anything else happens, I have to call the cops. Right. Right. Like we we rely on cops. I, I've told this story um, um, online. You know, I, I my car broke down on the Hutchinson River Parkway in an area where I was not allowed to call a private tow company. I had to route my car trouble, my broken down car, through damn NYPD. Well, what's the reasoning for that? I, because it was in a restrict because the the, part, the stretch of the highway that I was on was on some kind of restricted route. Blah blah. They basically, they didn't want to cause a traffic jam, so I had to do it in a certain manner, and that manner included still call, cause calling it. NYPD. But right? it's still going to cause Which a traffic is, jam. <laughs> and, and you also have to imagine that as an African American man, you got to remember I'm sitting there with this burnt out car, thinking like, could I push it to a gas station? I don't right. want to call the cops. Right. 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 Yeah. I'm to think of any other way. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. You know, they come rolling right. up on you. Oh, wow, we're here. You fit a description. <laughs> you know, I bet I do. <laughs> I bet. I'm so, I, you know, once I realized that I had to make that call, you know, I'm tuning my radio station away from Hot 97 to NPR right. just to make right. sure. Just to make cool. sure, you know, you, 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 you pick out the hair really well, put the, get the tie out the trunk and put that on, you know, just, just in case, just in case, you know. Yeah. <laughs> So, that, so that when we talk about defunding, or when people talk about defunding, one of the things that people are talking about is is to stop relying on cops to do as much as they do. There are other kind of social actors, there are other social institutions that could do some of this work if we took some of the money out of the police force and put it into, you know, the tow truck companies, the public tow truck companies, or the public social workers, or, you know, what have you, what have you. You know, it's so kind of, it's funny, it's one of the, one of the, one of the old school kind of, you tell your children about this stories, right, is that if a cat gets stuck in a tree, you call the fire department, mm-hmm. because the fire department has a ladder. Right. But in any place in America, if your cat gets stuck in the tree, you're going to end up calling cops. Yeah, and they shoot it, not and they shoot it out of the tree. Firefighters who are going to show up, right? And they shoot it out of the tree. <laughs> Isn't that how they do it? The, the, the cops might then call the fire department, right? <laughs> but you, like, you cannot just directly call the father and be like, come get my cat out. They're going to tell you to call 911. Right. So, I mean, just the, the way that we route so many of our just, like, basic everyday, like, issues through the cops increases the amount of contact we as citizens have with the police, and that is bad. And this goes to one of my other big points. My, my issue is, look, there, there, there are stats out to Wazoo about how cops disproportionately um, brutalize black people. Even when you see stats that suggest that cops don't disproportionately kill black people, 
those stats are usually are usually backed up by poor studies that rely on cops self-reporting what they do, what they do, which is often not accurate. So, like, they won't call it a police murder um, of an unarmed citizen if the cop says you have a gun. But how often have we seen that? You didn't actually have a gun. Right, they right. just killed you anyway, right? So a lot of those stats are, are, are bunk, but the, the, the thing that I always come back to is once a cop stops you, your life fundamentally is in their hands. Mm-hmm. The thing that we have to do is to decrease the amount of opportunities for the cops to stop you. Because once they do that, once they get their hands on you, once you're in what the law would call their grabbable area, all bets are off. All bets are off, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can't, you, you stop, you lose the ability to protect yourself either physically or constitutionally. So what we should really be focused on in society is, is, is stopping the stops, if you will, right? Like stopping the custodial stops, stopping the ability for cops to harass you for any reason or no reason at all. I don't think cops should be involved in traffic violations, right? Right. That, that would end the whole, the whole driving while black thing happens because we empower cops and not some other force to enforce our traffic laws. That's a bad idea. Cops have proven beyond a reasonable doubt that they cannot handle that authority, right? I'm a big, like, you know, let's put all the, you know, as much as I'm generally anti-surveillance, I'm like, dude, put the red light cameras everywhere. Send me a ticket. Don't stop me and give me a ticket. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. Because once you stop me, once I'm in your hands... Who knows what happens? Yes, yes. Um, do you? Well, I guess we don't. We can't really see an end game just yet because we don't know where the end game is going to go, as far as all these protests. But we did see Minneapolis completely defund their police department. Would you be for something like that? If as long as somebody had a plan um, to build something behind it, which I'm sure they do in Minneapolis, no one's going to. Nobody white's going to just allow all police to just disappear. That's never going to happen. So I'm all I'm all for reorganization plans. I'm all for plans that kind of reimagine the police forces. A thing that I am worried about, and you know, white people like, what happens if there's a home invasion? Like, shut up. There's yeah, somebody's gonna come. Right? I, mean, I don't want to hear that. Right. Yeah. Um, the thing that I am worried about, though, is that you know, rest of cops aren't much better. Right. Oh, they're worse. <laughs> Typically, and I, and I do, I do worry about a world where if you completely, again, it's, it's exactly how you said, Randolph. If you don't have a plan behind it, what what could happen is that a lot of private institutions end up hiring their own private police forces. Right. And that would end up being bad. Not only would that end up being bad in terms of like, as we just said, friends of cops are actually just as horrible as police officers um, in many ways. But it would also lead to a situation where you had under-policing in certain areas where people couldn't afford to hire their own force, right? Right. So you can imagine, you know, somebody trying to steal something from Walmart, well, Walmart's going to handle that, right? But somebody trying to steal something from the local bodega, like they have no ability to hire their own private force, right? So we have to... I, I worry about the privatization of police, Um Almost as much as I worry about the current government police that we have, mm-hmm. uh, but do not take that to mean that like I think that well, so we should throw up our hands and not do anything. No, we got we got to do something. I think we just have to think through all possible, um, all possible negative outcomes. You know who's who's rubbing their hands in anticipation of a private police force? Eric Prince. 
I, yeah. gar- I guarantee it. I guarantee he's already he's already floating that idea around the White House. That Blackwater you, has, a, has a plan for your policing, right? Absolutely if, if you they let, do. If you let them, right? If, yeah. if, you, if you are not vigilant about private police forces, they will step right in and take, just like they've done to the prison. Right. right. Right? Just like they've done to the prison. Right, right. To do a... But that, all, go that ahead. again, makes, pulls me back to legal solutions, right? So right. Like one of the things that I, I think is so important right now is to really think critically about repealing what's called qualified immunity. Qualified immunity means that basically if the officer is doing something in the line of duty, you can't sue them. Right, wrong, indifferent, you cannot sue the officer if they're performing their official function. And explain explain how it's fluid, because I saw that. (laughs) Like you get, if you don't do the crime exactly the way the, the, and I'm doing air quotes, crime is written, then it don't apply. It's a fluid, it's just a fluid thing. Yeah, like it's basically, so there are times where you can pierce qualified immunity if the cop was doing something unconstitutional to begin with, right? So, arguably, if a cop comes into my house to steal something, then shoots me, uh, he doesn't have qualified immunity for the civil suit that I would have against him for shooting me because he was doing an illegal thing to begin with stealing, you know, coming into my house and stealing something. The the problem is that if he was coming into my house to steal something, but he had a warrant, then that warrant would inculcate him, would inoculate him from any further kind of acts of criminality he did while in my house, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's really, when we talk about repealing qualified immunity, what we're really talking about is piercing that veil when, yes, the cop might have had authority to do X, but as soon as he does Y, he should lose that immunity completely, or she, I suppose, um, lose that immunity completely, as opposed to still being protected by that immunity because the initial act was not, you know, de facto unconstitutional or criminal. Right, right. It's a, it's a complicated legal thing, and the reason why it's a complicated legal thing is because there's no statute. This is not a law. This is not... This is not an act of Congress. This is entirely, this entire idea is entirely judge-made law, right? It's a, it's a series of precedents and decisions from the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court did this. The Supreme Court could undo this tomorrow. The problem is not just conservative justices, but liberal justices have also repeatedly upheld qualified immunity and upheld the right of cops to basically commit constitutional violations without... Well, the Democrats um, have always the Democrats have always kind of said, but and by Democrats we're talking about the today's liberals, you know, before years before it was Republicans, but now it's Democrats. The Democrats have always kind of been in, in law enforcement's back pocket. I personally feel like white America is in law is in law enforcement's back pocket. It's not just a yep. and and not to mention large there are sections inside the black community that are also inside of law enforcement's back pocket. White people understand that the cops are there to protect them. Exactly. That's why they're and in their so, back pocket. <laughs> and so they are always, always kind of willing to ride or die with the cops. Right. And then there are certain segments of the black community, and I, and I, and I, don't, and I don't criticize them too much. I don't criticize people too much for this thought, right? right? If you live in a poor area that is under police, if you live in poverty um, and crime and drug-related crime, whatever, you want, you feel like policing might be the answer, right? You want something. You just, right, you just want to go to the store and get home without being mugged. And if you can't do that, then you're, you're more liable, more likely 
to have, if not a positive view of police, certainly a view of police that promotes or allows for aggressive policing. The 1994 crime bill that now progressives and liberals, you know, widely pan as one of the most racist things ever that Clinton signed and Joe Biden wrote and Hillary Clinton was there and apparently that was her fault too. Like all, all, yeah. all that people forget that bill was not only supported by Democrats but supported by a large portion of elected black Democrats because it was sold to them as a way to deal with the crime in their own neighborhood, right? Right. Um, we now know it's, it's now been proven um, that the people who were against that bill in real time were right. History has shown that that bill was one of the worst things that we did. did. Beyond being one of the worst yeah. things, that bill was a trick bag where it, it money should have been put into social services in the community. Instead, that money was plowed into law enforcement. It, now, you know, do whatever you want to do. <laughs> you know. History has shown how terrible that bill was, but we cannot forget that black that some black people and the overwhelming majority of Democrats supported such a bill. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about, like, what needs to happen in terms of, like, reforming our police force, you know, this is one of the few areas, like, in my life where I spend at least as much time, if not more, criticizing Democrats as opposed to Republicans because we can't hope to change Republicans' minds until we get Democrats on board. Right. And too often and in too many situations, Democrats have not been with us, especially white Democrats. Look at the protests these past weeks. In so many of these cities, these have elected Democratic mayors who have spent all of their time running interference and making excuses for police who are being brutal at the protests about police brutality, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, could, I, could, I could sit here for the next hour and a half just saying mean things about New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio. Yeah, I was just about to say, don't make me say de Blasio. Don't make me say de Blasio. I was just about to say that. <laughs> he, has an, he has been an embarrassment during this moment, right? Right. But this is a Democratic, this is a progressive mayor. This guy was trying to run for president on the super progressive line, ticket, yeah. Right? <laughs> but when it comes to controlling his own cops, He's weak and ineffectual. And so often what we see from white mayors um, in, in Democratic cities and from black mayors in inner, in inner cities is a weak and ineffectual civilian control over policing. And that has to change. Long before we can worry about what will Mitch McConnell do, we have to get Democrats on board to, with police reform. I definitely, I, well, I definitely agree. With that. Democrats need to get on board with a lot of reform packages that they really don't support. They say they do, they give lip service to it, but they really don't. You saw, you saw them old knees yesterday, didn't you? Ooh, them old knees was cracking. You know those knees oh, were cracking. Oh, oh. Poor, Jerry. poor Jerry. I just, I, I, I don't even know what that was. Like I honestly, like he. Listen, man. Listen, man. I, somebody said, you know, they're they're just out there. That's fine. They're, they're just pandering to us. They're just dancing for you. Know what? Go ahead and dance for me for a little bit. Go ahead, <laughs> dance for me for a little bit. I'm fine with it. Just, look, I know, it's not going to make me think one way or the other or make me believe that you're doing this until I see the actions, I see the policies coming forth. But if you want to dance for me before you give me the policies, I'm fine with that. <laughs> go go the way, ahead. The way that I put it, man, was that, like, look, I don't care what she's wearing, the dashiki, I don't care. This is not Nancy Pelosi's problem. This is a local. This is a local problem. Right, right. Is, like policing is not the problem with policing is not what's happening at the federal government level. It's not great. 
It's not awesome, but it's not the problem. The problem is in our local cities, in our mayors, and our district attorneys, right? That's, yeah. another, that's another aspect that we haven't talked about, but like the district attorneys who are the ones who should be in charge of prosecuting the police when they commit crime are too often consider themselves an extension of the police. Of the police, yeah, or a friend to the police. Or friends of the police, right? And so they don't exercise, you know, institutional control from that area. In my own town, I'm I'm supporting. I am, you know, I don't make endorsements. I am endorsing um, a, a progressive, a, a progressive prosecutor in my town because that that is actually where the change has to happen, right? We have to have mm-hmm. we have to have progressive lawyers in charge of district attorney's offices who are not going to be in the pocket of police just to hold some basic police accountability. Right. Right. What did you, just to completely change gears in a kind of a way, you monitor the Supreme Court and you keep track of the Supreme Court a great deal. Do you see, what decisions do you see coming out of the Supreme Court? Do you see any large changes? If you can do it quick, have you seen any large changes coming up? In uh, policing? No, no, no. Not so much in policing. Just, were there any large, I know there was like three oh, huge yeah, things that just happened. The court's, the court's about to go full MAGA, MAGA on you, it. So that's what, that's what I'm getting at. You believe that that's yeah. coming. Yeah, I think, look, there, there, there are a couple of huge cases out there right now. First is DACA. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the deferred action of, for childhood arrivals. Um, Trump has tried to end the program. Lawyers have said that he can't. Supreme Court's about to rule on that. I think it is likely that they will rule 5-4 that Trump can end DACA. Right. Um, I think that is coming. Um, there's a huge case... Um, about Title VII, which is the kind of general anti-discrimination law that we have, about whether Title VII even applies to gay people. Screw like what it means, just whether or not gay, gay or transgender people can even argue for relief under our anti-discrimination laws. And I think it is very likely that the court is going to rule 5-4 that at least gay people do not have a right to be protected from discrimination under under Title VII, mm-hmm. uh, which would be a huge and it would it would be one of the biggest setbacks to gay rights that we've experienced in our lifetime. People need to understand, for the most part, what we have seen. If you are, you know, I'm 42. If you are, you know, if you are between the ages of 50 and 20, all you have seen in your life is an upward trajectory of gay rights. It hasn't been quick, it hasn't been easy, but the, the, the arc of history has bent towards gay rights. And if they rule, the case is called Bostock, if they rule against gay rights in this, it will be the biggest setback to gay rights that people have experienced in a, in a generation. Um, I think that they'll probably rule 5-4 against gay people, but maybe 5-4 or six, three, four transgender people, just because of some vagaries in how the law is written. Um, so that's becoming. And then there's a huge abortion case, which you know, the Supreme Court is always happy to, to crap Absolutely. on women's rights too. Uh, I mean, you can't do anything in this country without crapping on women's rights, apparently. Well, so like okay, that. Absolutely not. <laughs> also coming. Where do you, you see Trump's? Where do you see Trump's taxes going? Isn't that sitting now in front of them also? Yeah, and then we have the Trump tax case, which I think that might be the one where there's a win. When, like, I think there are four. There are four huge cases, right? The mm-hmm. DACA, the gay rights, um, the uh, the abortion case, and Trump taxes. And I think we will lose. We progressives, liberals, will lose. Americans will lose three. Yeah, three of out of four. Yeah, seventy-five percent. The fourth one that I think we might win might be this Trump tax thing, just because. And it's hard to explain this in kind of a family show, but this ain't a family show. Come on, argument with it. <laughs> is so. Bat crap 
crazy. It's just uh, like the Trump legal argument to not have to su- submit his taxes to a grand jury subpoena in, to, the, to the Manhattan District Attorney is so completely out to lunch that I don't even think that Roberts can stomach that one. So I think by, that. And by the way, perhaps you can answer this question for me. Is uh, speaking of uh, family show, the fuck is wrong with John Roberts? Didn't he? Didn't he say that he didn't want his name and his court and his his tenure on the on the court to be attached to this kind of wild shit? He said that, right? Wasn't didn't, didn't he kind of imply that? People think that Roberts is an institutionalist. This yeah. is wrong. Oh, I've never believed Ro- that. I, I know I'm from Texas. I know about his work with with Bush from from way back, as far as yeah, voting rights and stuff day, like that. Right? So I've always known about known that about him. It's a lie. Roberts' <laughs> Roberts's goal is to push the country towards the Republican agenda as much as he can without breaking it. Now that he cares about breaking it. It makes him different than the other conservatives. Other right. than that, right? right now, <laughs> that he understands that you, it can be broken. The other conservatives don't don't acknowledge that. So that's what makes him seem more moderate. But rest assured, Roberts will do everything in his power to push forward the Republican agenda at every point. He has been an enemy of voting rights for yes. his entire career. His whole career. For his entire <laughs> career, he has been an enemy to the concept that black people should have an equal say, representative say in government. He just doesn't agree. Um, he has been an enemy uh, against, so, of against voting rights, against desegregation. He's been essentially a segregationist, a modern segregationist. No, you're not George Wallace out here, right? But, you know, if segregation is happening, Roberts doesn't think that that's a problem. Yeah. Um, he is an enemy of people of color. I mean, he's the guy that, he's the, fundamentally the fifth vote for the, for the Muslim ban, right? Mm-hmm. Muslim ban does not happen without John Roberts' say so. So he's right. not a friend. He is not a moderate. He simply has an understanding that if he goes too far, basically the country will revoke. My personal theory, and we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks, my personal theory is that the DACA case that could lead to the deportation of 800,000 people, that case is ready, that case they're going to rule for Trump, and they're holding the case because they don't want it to be seen as contributing to the public civil unrest that we're experiencing right now. Well, that would be awfully stupid to think that Okay, so let's let's say yeah. this civil unrest ends. Okay, that's fine. Do they think it's not going to kick back up? <laughs> because these people have already started to rally together. Okay, so if I'm black and Latinos come out for me for this, I am now obligated to go out with them. I don't, you know what I mean? It's it's going One right back think. up. It's kicking right back One up. It's not going to stop now. That's I don't understand how they think that this bell is now going to be unrang. <laughs> I think they think the doll's going to be unrung. I think the, the cooler heads will. They think the cooler heads will prevail at some point, and then they can release their horrible decision. Yeah, yeah, this fucking. Um, look, the, 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 the court. The court is not, the court. The twenty sixteen. The twenty sixteen election mattered. You yes. know, and one of the yes. one of the things that I say to people who are just like I don't like Biden. Nah, I don't like Biden either. Right? It's yeah. my eighth choice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He wasn't. He wasn't in nowhere near the top of my list. Right. <laughs> you know. But you know what? Ruth Bader Ginsburg is eighty-seven years old. Stephen Breyer right. is eighty-two years old. Right. You cannot. We, there is no progressive. There is no liberal thing that can survive a court that is seven to two Republicans over liberals. Like this is nothing. Nothing you want happens 
if the court goes 7-2, right? So right. you cannot give Trump another four years to stack the federal judiciary with conservative justices. That can't happen. And any argument, any person you hear saying like, oh, well, let it all, no, it cannot happen. We will lose. Right. Everything that we care about if that happens. So, uh, look, I'm pro Biden. Like that, that's right. how I get to Biden. And it's not hard. It's actually not. Even though Biden is not, you know, my preferred candidate for anything. Right. Like that's the choice that I was given, and that's the choice that I will make happily. Because the the consequences of Biden losing and giving Trump another four years to to to, to shape this court, those consequences are too great. Right. And I I think that that should have been pushed when Hillary was, was running from the get-go, but I feel like it was, and it wouldn't have mattered anyway, because people, people are fucking idiots. Maybe they'll catch up I now. Know, uh, I don't was, know. If it was me, I wouldn't have gone through all the entire 2016 Democratic National Convention without mentioning Merrick Garland. But, you know, nobody asked me. Yeah, but they, they ain't asking you. Thank you so much for <laughs> thank you so much for doing this for me, man. I've, I've, uh, I wish that the Skype hadn't jacked up, because I would have loved to have kept this going with you. I feel like we were actually accomplishing some good things here. And then here comes the Skype. So I would love to do this with you again if we could, because uh, I'd like to talk with you about, <laughs> I want the people to hear your thoughts on Bill Barr. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's, let's make sure that we do this before the election again. Definitely, definitely. I'll reach out to you the, via the same way. And I, again, I appreciate you so much for doing this for me. Um, thanks again. No problem. You have a nice one. And you have a great one, brother. Bye. And we're back. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, it was good, except for all that cursing. All the damn cursing. <laughs> uh, you guys who uh, listen to that, if you want to stick with this podcast, I hope you do. We have a lot more of stuff like that over on our Patreon page. There's three guys on on Patreon. You can go over there and check it out. And uh, we do a point. We drop podcasts every Monday and Thursday. We drop one to the Patreon on Monday, and we drop a free one on Thursday. The free one on Thursday is not as long as the one on Monday, and it is just us. And there will we will be cussing. We're yeah, we're in. comedians, so you will yeah. hear the f. Yeah, we are comedians. You're <laughs> gonna hear a lot of you're gonna hear a lot of stuff that you might want to cancel us over. I'm just gonna tell you, nothing yeah. crazy. Nothing you ain't never heard, but it's gonna it's be nothing, something. It's nothing that your mom or dad ever said to you when you were eight. There you go. <laughs> did your parents curse at you when you were eight? Is that did that happen? A little bit, really. <laughs> yeah, they, I've well, heard them curse. Wasn't so much cursing at as much as it was cursing around. I yeah, okay. yeah. Mine didn't really do that. Mine they kept it. It was pretty rare to hear uh, my. I mean, my but my dad would have been the one cursing, but it was pretty rare to hear him curse. Right. He, he kept it separate from us. You know. Yeah. Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, we heard. I heard a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, I heard a lot of it. I curse in my house. In the African American community, Andy, <laughs> uh, sometimes parents express themselves in a colorful manner, in a yeah, colorful yeah, way. Colorful. We have a lot of we have a lot of passion. Yeah, a lot of stresses we have to get out. Yep. So, what you guys been doing before we start getting into anything? Uh, TPS reports, uh, yeah. podcasting. I did laundry that I have. That's looming two loads of laundry that I need to square away. Right. And uh, T minus what eight days until The Last of Us Part yeah, you Two. You are in. A, you are locked in, aren't you? I'm so excited. I just put in to be off on the 19th of <laughs> <laughs> the the re- release day, and then the Monday after. So. Oh, so what is is the 19th of Friday? 
the 19th is on a Friday. You're going to spend all weekend in underwear just playing this game. Yeah, because... Uh, drinking I, bourbon. I, oh, I don't know about that because I'll probably I have fall done asleep. That. You've I've done, done that. that before. Yeah, I spent a one. I, I've told this story. You did your guess. favorite day ever. <laughs> yeah, not and not I, the day you got married. Not and the I have day a daughter. You had your daughter, <laughs> and I'm married with a daughter. <laughs> you played fight. You played fight night. Fight night. I beat it all day. I drank bourbon and played fight night all day. I had my, my apartment door open. It was a spring day, sunny out, and well, I just laid on the floor and played fight night all day. Word on the street is there's The Last of Us Part Two is going to be about 30 hours of gameplay. 30? 30. Close to 30, you know, yeah. Oh, man. Wow. So I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to get far. Um, yeah, and so I can, like, you know, do podcasts about it. Maybe, maybe get uh, some people on and break it down and, you know. Did Fonte play it? You said Fonte plays it, right? Well, Fonte, I talked to him when the the about a month ago when the leaks went out. Yeah. At that time, he said he wasn't getting it. Okay. Because he didn't like the way I was like, dude, come on, man. So I got to. What see didn't he, he like? I can't really. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Uh, he just didn't okay. like the leaks okay. and w- the way that the story was. Because he liked the, the whole he plot. He liked leaked. the first one. <laughs> He did like the first one, yeah. yeah. But the plot leaked, and it turns out they say the f word a lot. <laughs> I don't so, think Fonte's going to be okay with that. The bridge, bridge too far. It's bridge too far. <laughs> no, it's just saying. It's bridge too thing. far. Blow off a zombie's head, fine. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. trying because they're trying to make. I guess apparently, cause I've been reading like they've been doing profiles of the the VP of Naughty Dog, Neil Druckmann, and. Um, he hasn't been found out to be a racist yet. No, no. I mean, it's happening to everybody now. Do black people die in the video game? <laughs> yes. Uh, in the first one, there was a, a black brother, two black brothers. Uh, mm-hmm. See, that died. See, um, but it's happening that, now. Everybody's getting canceled behind this racism. No, 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 no. no. Word, word on this. Word on the street is like the the next property that they do is probably going to have a black lead in it. Uh, uh-huh. So I don't know if that character is going to die or not. Hollywood black or black black? I don't know. I don't know. So this is like a, a new game. It's not like another iteration of Last of Us or something like that. It's a whole new series. That interview. See, I, I, I tried to make it cool so Andy could understand it. I texted him yesterday because Pearl Jam is his favorite. One of his favorite <laughs> bands. My number one. And his yeah. no, Okay. His number one. Okay. By far. Uh, his number one band. And uh they used a song. What song was that? Uh, it's called Future Days. Future Days is a song that they lobbied uh, to. Uh, what's the what's the what's the main guy? Eddie Vedder. Eddie, not Eddie, but who's another guy? Another guy in Pearl Jam. You want me to yeah. name all of them? I can name all the past drummers, too, if you want. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. It was one guy in particular that they. Boom. Is that his name, Andy? I don't uh, know, but- there is a guy named Boom. Boom. Uh, he plays keyboard. He's not really an official. He's kind of a, a he's on the touring band. He's not. Is in it Redis? No, no. I think or, what I think they went. They they didn't contact the person in the band. They contacted like someone who was the, the manager affiliated with the manager. Yeah. yeah. And they agreed to, to do it band. like this. Sony didn't think they could do it. They said, you're probably not going to get it. And he said, I'm just going to try. He sent them a PlayStation with the first game and he showed them a a trailer that even Sony hadn't seen and they agreed to it. Uh, so that's a, it's a very, I actually saw the scene uh, that the song is in and it's pretty, it's pretty powerful guys. So, <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm over the moon excited. We know. Let's hope, 
Let's all hope for Chris's sanity. There's not like a power outage that weekend. I know. Oh my God. I would be sick. <laughs> I would be sick, man. So that's like the silver lining, uh, uh, for me in 2020. That's one of them. A lot of good art's been put out. Um, yeah, cause 2020 has been a beast. It's been a monster. Yeah. yeah. So basketball's coming back, right? July 31st. Boxing came back last night. Did you, did you make it all the way through? I no, did. no, no. I watched, uh, I regularly recorded and watched, uh, take that kid out with a body shot. Shakir took that kid out with a body shot. He, he lives down there. Yep. Yeah, he lives, he lives kind of, uh, kind of the next neighborhood over from, uh, okay. from me. Shakur Stevenson. My, my cat that I was, that I, I work with at the gym saw him. He was going to work with a client at a house, and he was like, "Is that Shakur Stevens outside that house?" <laughs> so, oh. Yeah, he bought a house, and then he put like put like a gym in a garage. Okay, I wondered if his girls then wouldn't know. I don't know. I don't know. After he beat her brother up, <laughs> <laughs> what? He beat the he, shit out of her brother, <laughs> her racist he, ass brother. They used to. They used to train. Stevenson used to train with his girlfriend's dad no they met no 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 they they met at the I thought they trained together now they met at the shakur and his girl met at the olympic trials she boxed too and they but met i thought the, they met they met at the trials oh and, so uh, they didn't have any type of affiliate no well, i mean you know you know gym people but you know they don't really know each other like that oh so they just, just met they just met and started seeing each other kids man they're kids they're just kids you know oh and it well, was just he, he was racist and was like i don't want y'all yes. dating yeah okay. he made yeah. the squad and she didn't make the team okay and then he lost she joined him she joined the army i think mm. and then she started fighting in the all armed force she made the all army team and then she started training back at the Olympic Training Center again, and they started seeing each other again because they ran back into each other. Yeah. And then he lost in his gold medal fight, and then uh, they just kind of started commiserating and talking, and they became close. And his her racist ass daddy didn't and brother didn't want her being with him. Oh, that's at what it. At that is. point, okay. he went down to try to talk to him, you know, and they kicked her out of the house. And they wouldn't talk to him. And then he no. beat he beat the racist brother. Beat the piss the, out of him. And at the end of the fight, yeah. he was just like, "Y'all talk to y'all's daughter, man." <laughs> <laughs> he beat the piss out of him. And it was a boring fight he, because he beat the brakes off. He him. was that's so why good. it was boring. He was so good. He was just beating the yeah. brakes off this kid. He, <laughs> he beat the brakes off him. And that's like that's how you know some racist nonsense because they were like, he was like, "Yeah, I just don't like him. Why don't you like him? Yeah, just something about him. Really, what is it?" <laughs> He's disrespectful. How was he disrespectful? He's from Newark. He wore a hoodie to our gym. What? <laughs> what? They didn't say that. He you literally that? said that. He literally oh said God. that. He came into our gym with a hoodie on. What's the way? What, what are you supposed to wear to a gym? A hoodie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> a, hoodie. a hoodie. Unless you're black. You know, yeah. A hoodie. Mm. They're Mexican, too, by the way. Did the hoodie say fuck Mexicans on it or something? <laughs> That's a bridge too far, Andy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There has to be more of the hoodie story. Beat the stuff in the, he beat the stuffing out that dude, too. They say he's yeah. the next Mayweather. And everybody loved by the way, everybody loves this kid. Shakur. Like that nice was like kid. the big thing. They were like, he's a great kid. What are you talking about? He's from Newark. <laughs> What's your problem with the boy? Mm -hmm. Just something about him that I don't like. <laughs> his skin. Dating his, my sister. His dirty black skin. That's something. And it, and the, and the 
the family was ill to the little girl anyway. Like the father would put her in the spar with her brothers and they would beat up on her and shit like that. You know, what shit they, like that. What Tell her she can't date anybody until till she's 25. I'm like, are you fucking? 25? That's why she's going to the military. Get the fuck out of your house, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. I've never even heard that. I've heard like 18. I've even heard 21. I've never heard 25. 25. Yeah. What is that about? Yeah. Controlling your daughter. <laughs> that's what that's about. <laughs> that's all that's about. I'm a woman, dad. And you know? she joins the army. I don't even think it even got to that point. It was just, <laughs> I got to get out of here. <laughs> you know? Right. And then she had met him, but she joined before she met him. They just reconnected. Are boxing people all a little bit loopy? Is that what it comes down to? They got all weird no, but some can. Some yes, but all no. Yeah. <laughs> some definitely. I think I feel like a lot of sports people have these weird rules they live by and stuff about they have codes and shit they live by. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, I knew the daddy wasn't shit when he was putting her in with him, when he was putting her in with his sons and letting them just beat up on her. I was like, you ain't shit. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't, you ain't shit. Why are you doing that? Let's make her tougher. Really? Is that what it's doing? Make Pop. her tougher for all those boys she'll be dating when she turns 25. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And like I said, Shakur's a night. He's a really nice kid. That's yeah. it. Everybody's like, he's this really, really sweet kid who just happens to be a really good fighter. He doesn't even try to really, he's not even trying to put it on people. He could have put it on here for a brother if he wanted to. Yeah. yeah that's probably the reason why he didn't. You know, and he was beating on him too, but he didn't really put it on it. Like this kid last night, he stopped that kid. He just wailed on him to the when, body. What was it all? Did it go the full round? Five. Five. Okay. Out of 10, yeah, right? He stopped it in five. It was 12. It was 12 round five. It was time to fight. The he first, stopped him in five. I, the first undercard match, the guy went down in less than a less than two Okay. Minutes. That guy that knocked that dude out beat Shakur. He beat Shakur for the gold medal. Yeah, mm. he's the guy who beat Shakur for the gold medal. And Shakur had beat him like four times in the amateurs. And then he beat Shakur for the gold medal. And they're doing that at the world, the wide world of Disney, right? I don't I know. Think- where, no, no, this was at MGM and some little side. Oh, MGM. MGM. Was that Vegas? That was, that was Vegas. Yeah, was but Vegas. they have a lot of rules. Yeah. Like there was yeah. a girl on the card. She failed her. I'm selling Andy today. She failed right. her, uh, the COVID test. So they were like, you can't fight. Yeah. But I just took one the other day. Well, you failed this one. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't fight. And so she was like, I had to drive home for nine, ten hours. I'm like, well, somebody in that car has got it too now. Well, <laughs> it's better than flying because then everybody yeah. got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jesus. You know. She was like, well, I'm asymptomatic and I feel okay. I'm like, that's not how it works, babe. Yeah, that's you're part of the problem. That's what yeah. spreads it. People like <laughs> right. that. That's not how it works, babe. You know, and they were like in between rounds, they would come in and in between fights, they would just wipe the whole ring down. <laughs> and then they UV lighted it lit everything. Oh really? Yeah, they wiped the whole ring down, they UV lit everything. Um corner people wear masks, but the fighters don't wear nothing. Everybody's got gloves, but people are wearing gloves in boxing for years now, so that's nothing new. Yeah. yeah. You know. The only ones who are kind of fucked up are the ref then the two fighters. Yeah, I guess the ref probably gets some kind of hazard pay for doing that. I mean, everybody takes their everybody takes their test, man, and you know. Yeah, but that's not that's not enough. The audience, uh, is that, what is, is there's no crowd at all, right? There's no crowd. No, no crowd. The audience is just whoever's like in the corners. Yeah, basically. yeah, and it was press. People, it was maybe. uh, 
there was one dude who was doing the microphone, but he was far away. But the ringside guys were all in their houses watching on monitors. Yeah. With mics, with mics in their head and sitting like that. So basketball won't have a crowd either. No, nah, right? I can't see that. I feel like it's just no. CGI in the crowd from Double Dribble. <laughs> you know, like a really bad 8-bit crowd. They could just they could CGI in the crowd from uh from Black Panther when he was fighting. Just they all could, those people yeah, on the Oh yeah. They could do that. I feel like just some real low budget. Like remember that game Pit Fighter? <laughs> CGI the Pit I Fighter. Do pit Fighter. The people in the back just cheering in unison. CGI that shit. That'd be hilarious. I don't know if I remember that one. You don't remember, remember pit, pit Fighter? Fighter? I used to play Pit Fighter all the time. You don't remember that? That was a great game. Yeah. Does it's kind of been lost to history. People don't talk about Pit Fighter. It was, it was a precursor to like Mortal Kombat, Tekken, Mortal Kombat, Tekken. Uh, yeah, like Street Fighter type games. I think it predated all those. If I'm not mistaken, I'm looking at it. I okay, Atari. Pit Fighter. It was a kickboxing guy, and I used to use all the time. Okay. What year did you say? 1990. Yeah, yeah, sounds about been, right. I would have been 10. I just don't remember this. There was an the arcade version had um, for the time like pretty good graphics, and then yeah. they came out on like consoles at some point too. I remember Ring King. I remember Ring King. Yeah, for sure. That was good. I'm looking at Pit Fighter right now. Arcade video on YouTube, and like the people looked almost yeah the, almost the, realistic. The graphics were really good. Yeah. Do you remember Karatika? No. Oh, that sounds vaguely familiar. I never played it, I don't think, but I remember like the name. It was a karate-type game. The Karate Kid game was good, too. I played that Nintendo. one. That was pretty well, good. You, you have to punch out the bull. Yeah, and then they have a, a mini-game where you have to catch the fly like me with the chopsticks like right. Miyagi. Karate Champ was a, was a classic. Um, what about Defender? <laughs> hey, man, can't go wrong with Defender. I remember yeah, that. I'm watching. I'm looking at gameplay. I should put it up on the screen since we have Zoom going. I'm watching gameplay of Pit Fighter. <laughs> um, hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up for you guys to watch. That's where we're at. Yeah, the, I mean, just we got, we got new listeners in, and that's where we're at. <laughs> just to see if it rings a bell for Chris. But um, I have to see. I did our, see pictures. I did look up the pictures. I don't remember that one. Okay. Yeah, Pit Fighter. I just for the time it was, you know. I think it pushed things forward, and also it was one of the early, one of the early games from that genre of like that fighting thing where one person's on one side, one person's on the other side. You know, dude, yeah. I had Popeyes today. I feel like I'm moving in slow motion. <laughs> you fall asleep. Yeah, I had Popeyes. What did you have? Two piece white, my usual, but that I haven't had in like months now. <laughs> yeah, yes. man, Pit Fighter. Did it go that slow? No, that's it's, from the... It's oh, 1990. Like the screen. Okay. <laughs> it's from 1990. See all the people in the back? I want that on yeah. the <laughs> on the NBA telecast. Roy Wood you see the one over there with the red with the that. red pants, Andy on the side with the red pants and the black belt? Yeah, yeah. That's the cat I played with because um, uh, the gi we wore in martial arts class was red. <laughs> Did he stab that dude? Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah, they got knives. Of course they do. It's Pit Fighter. Yeah, the uh, I think they should do a green screen on all the stands in basketball and just put all kinds of crazy shit on the green screen. 
Put Donkey Kong out there. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, all right. This game's ridiculous. That's around the time, a little before, like, um, like Street Fighter. I remember, I remember going to my cousin's house. They lived in like New. They lived in Newport News, and it was the day that Street Fighter came out, and that they just played it all day and all yeah. night. That was they in the just, arcade or at home. The, the, at home they had like super super nintendo yeah and they just played all the, i was never really into fighting games you played double dragon i played double dragon i mean that was a side scroller i mean it was that was it, it was a story to that one but yeah it's a whole different like genre fighting and shit i like the i like the i was more of a story guy <laughs> and you? sports mainly sports too yeah you know. right I was all in the Speaking Madden of sports stories, what do you think of Dabo? What did he say again? He just, he's stupid or A racist? whole lot of ignorance. He talked for like 15 minutes or something. Yeah, defending his, his coach. Oh, fuck. He, like the coach didn't call anybody a nigger. He just said it. Yeah. And that's, a, is yeah. that why I ignored that whole story? Is that what that's happened? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Two, two of the players were, uh, the coach was yelling at them, and the guy was like, What's he yelling at you for? It's like, he said I didn't cover that nigga over there, you know. Okay. And then the coach yelled something to the effect of, I don't know, something about you didn't cover nigga. Something about he used the word nigga, but he wasn't saying it to the player. Mm-hmm. So then Dabo was like. Uh, and the coach honest. is white. Yeah, of course. And Dabo was like, there's two two words I don't very, tolerate very on my team. Very astute of you, Andy. There's <laughs> <laughs> two words I don't ter- tolerate on uh, my team is yeah. the N-word and the GD. And if a coach ever said that to a player, he'd be gone. There's you two know? words that are not in my, my vocabulary. Uh, the N-word and can't. <laughs> <laughs> but he lied. But he lied. That's the thing. This story didn't just happen. This story has been building for a long time. When they asked him first, he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, this is 2017. I'm looking at the story happened. Swinney said right. former tight end DJ Greenlee and Pearman were on a separate part of the practice field. Pearman's the coach, I guess. Danny yes. Pearman. Yes. A separate part of the practice field when an argument happened in 2017. Greenlee told the state newspaper, me and the coach got into it, and I was speaking with one of my teammates. He heard me use the N-word, basically, and basically tried to correct me by saying the N-word back. Um, Swinney said Greenlee approached him privately to discuss what happened, according to Swinney. Pearman was, quote, profusely apologetic. And then according he says, to Swinney. I would fire a coach immediately if he called a player the N-word. No question oh, asked, Swinney said. That did not happen. Absolutely did not happen. It has not happened. Coach Pearman was correcting DJ and another player was talking to DJ or DJ was yelling at the player and DJ said something he probably shouldn't have said. He said, I blocked, I blocked the wrong effing N word and coach Pearman thought he was saying it to him and he's mad and he reacted and in correcting him, he repeated yeah, the phrase. He's, how dare you call me that? He said, we don't say we blocked the wrong effing N word. That's what the coach said back to him and yeah. repeated it. Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. He just Such wanted more. to say it. Sabo's been on some fuck shit. So like, for a long time, I, I don't man. really care about. He said some shit about the flag and all that bullshit. Well, he said yeah. any any of his players kneel down, they're they'll they'll be punished. Yeah, fuck him, man. You know, and then now it's well, you know, I'm I'm here for the racial restriction because I'm a man of God, and that's what kind of bothers me is that everything is like he's this man of God, so apparently he's above reproach. 
you know, like he, he can't, he can't do anything wrong. I mean, this is a dude who made players go to the white house, yeah. you know, to eat the hamburgers. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. I don't care. I don't really care. You know, college football is just like, unless a black dude wins the Heisman trophy, I don't give a fuck. Well, I just like the fact that every, every, every black announcer is now not going for the fuck shit. Like this, yeah. like the gloves are off now. Like, I don't got to say that I like that shit when I don't. I never did like that shit before. I just said it because if not, y'all cut my check off, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, you Randolph and I, you and I have this conversation all the time about the emperor has no clothes. So right. we, especially in college football and I don't really, I kind of been off of them off of college football really since uh, Maurice Claret, you know? Yeah. That was a big one. Yeah. I mean, one. even he I'm not saying he fucked up because of because of them. He had his own shit, probably some undiagnosed uh, stuff going on. But I just been really like, I don't really care. I mean, yeah. I just want those boys. If they play, I want these people to those kids that showed up that they can play for these NFL teams and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't really I really don't care about. Well, I mean, I don't like the overt racism that's always all the way through college football. We act like it's not, but it is. And they got these kids by the balls because, you know, if they don't they have to do what they want to do, because if not, then you don't they'll cut your scholarship. And then that's that, you know, I I wonder if I guess they're going to play. The kid. Yeah. I mean, they're going to force them to play this year. I mean, act like they're not, but they're going to. But how are you going to play if the school's not open? That's so weird. If they do, then then they're just admitting that these kids are just cash cows to them. Yeah, they're just admitting yeah. that they don't give a shit. Yeah, well, no, it's good for the kids. If Chris. kids aren't in school, it's good for the kids, Chris. It's good for them. It's good for these. Good for these boys. Keeps them out of trouble. They then they won't be in their neighborhoods doing doing the drugs and then the drive-bys. Are you sending your daughter to school? Is she's a college freshman? What I send born. her? What I send her now? Your daughter's going to Clemson. She's an incoming freshman. I wouldn't and, let her go to Clemson. I'm just saying. Say oh. she got scholarships and all that. I wouldn't. I don't know if I want to go. I wouldn't want to go to school in the south. Any school. Well, say she's at. Oh, just know. it's just a school upcoming school year. Yeah. I would have to see what the safety protocols are in the school and stuff like that. I. I don't know. I doubt it. Yeah. I don't know. We. I got to deal with it when school opens back up again in the fall. I know. I mean, they're talking about trying to limit the number of kids in school, keep them social distancing, a lot of masks. They might, you know, she might only have to go to school like a couple of days out of the week, then half the other, have the school, other kids go a couple of days out of the week, you know, to keep this so they can have distance in the halls. Jesus. You know, that is the dream if you're a kid. Right. That's going to suck, though. Like, that's as much as I, I liked school when I was a kid. Um, Cause it was, it was a part of socialization too. Mm-hmm. You know, you miss, you don't want to miss out on that. And you miss, cause I, I just had a conversation. I was doing a, a, a podcast uh, the, earlier this afternoon and talking to somebody. I didn't have any kids that lived near, lived in my neighborhood. I was the only kid, mm. you know, and it was it, the only time I got to be around kids. My age was when I would be at my cousin's house in Temple Hills, Maryland. And then they had neighborhood kids and stuff, but that was, it was sporadic, but it wasn't regular enough to where, Oh, Hey, so-and-so has got a new 
he's got Super Mario 3. Let's go over his house. So let's go ride bikes. So let's throw the football. You know, I never really, mm-hmm. you know, had a couple friends sleep over. This is starting to get sad, man. You never, you never did like all the. <laughs> that's when, that's why I'm a comedian. <laughs> I mean, you never like, like, you never like just went and rode bikes with your friends. I did that with my cousins who they okay. were two years older and we would do that in the summertime. And, you know, so a lot of times I would, uh, go over to my aunt's house after school and we do our homework together. We kick it, but it wasn't the same. It wouldn't be like, Oh, Saturday I'm at home. Brandon wants to come over and play video games or he wants to throw play catch. Yeah. It wasn't, it was never really that random. It was always yeah like scheduled. I got lucky. I had a, I had a nice little click just yeah. uh, in my, my neighborhood was, and we moved there. We were, it was new construction. So it was a brand new house, but the whole neighborhood was brand new. So a lot of young families, mm-hmm. a lot of families with kids, like basically our age. That's where they were going to grow up. Yeah. So like it was, it was just one of the things where there were a lot of kids within a couple of years in, in age of each other. So there was always backyard football. We played baseball out in the street. A little bit later, basketball. It was always sports related. Yeah. And then the classic, hey, you want to go ride bikes? Just aimlessly. Yeah. Riding bikes around the neighborhood. Yeah. I had a fun childhood, but I I would just say I just, I do miss that. Like not having real neighborhood kids. I think when I was about seven or five, I had a, a kid. He moved away. The only kid that he lived literally next door. And he, uh, his dad passed away and him and his mom and his little brother moved. And, uh, when I was about, uh, going on like junior high age, my parents both worked late. And so my aunt would pick me up, me and my cousins up. I would go to their house. My dad would pick me up late at night and then take me home. So it was just like, uh, you know. You do what you got to do, but right. I do miss out on that. Yeah, that, yeah. Y'all see that uh, NASCARs getting rid of the getting rid of the Confederate flag? I wonder how they're going to police that. I mean, I can I think of police it because people tailgate at NASCAR and they got the flags out. Obviously, just kick them out, man. Just they come into people. the the stadium, waving the flag. You just tell them you can't bring it here. We'll kick you out. You have like a patch on your shirt. You know, like what happens will, when you we will kick you out. <laughs> That's gonna be rough, dude. What That's if you it. what if you're I, one of the I put a comment on I put a comment on somebody's thing today. They were like, Oh, the job I wouldn't want to have is having to tell people about the flag. I said, I'll do it. <laughs> I would yeah. do it in a second. Yeah. Hey, excuse me, sir. You, you gotta can't take that, that shit fuck. down. <laughs> sir. Have that fucking flag, sir. Yeah, sir. Take that take that fuck shit down. Hey, what you if you're one of the uh the fifty million people with a Confederate flag tattoo? So hey. Hide what it happens? or get the fuck out. Cover Randolph, that shit up. Randolph would be like, I'll cut it off for you. <laughs> I got no problems. I got no problems. Doing All right. That. I'll cut off your arm. It'll be here on your way out. Just stop by. <laughs> I got no problem. I got no problems telling get somebody cut. about themselves. I'm going to need ticket. to put that in a plastic bag. Yeah, take that fuck shit down, buddy. Because <laughs> you know people are going to try to defy that shit. They're going to come in with a flag tucked in their shirt and unfurl it when the race starts. Of Absolutely. course they are. And when we find you, we're going to kick your ass out. <laughs> a fucking so, losing yeah a losing losing flag. cause just like a, it's uh somebody put up today that this is going to be like remember when me too came and we found out that all these men weren't shit yeah yeah that's exactly about what's about to happen right now you're about to find out that a lot of your favorites they ain't shit when it comes to race yeah you're about to find out yeah 
you got did, to make some decisions. Yeah, you try to look at some of those companies that you liked it, uh, and make sure they had a post. Check their tweets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wonder if DiGiorno put up one. I hope they did. Uh, is DiGiorno uh, active probably on put Twitter? It, they probably took it back down after Christopher Columbus's statue got pulled down in Maryland. They're, they're a craft company, so I like to think mm-hmm. that they... I'm looking at their Twitter feed right now. Their last tweet was May 28th. Oh fuck! Uh oh. <laughs> and it Uh-oh. was just, and it was not a Black Lives Matter tweet. It was about a pizza. Uh oh. <laughs> they've the, they've uh, uh, favorited some of my tweets before and responded to me. Really? Like when Papa John's was fucking up, I said well, the, something about like how the journal's better. Anyway. Well, they won't be able to do that now that you're going to block them. Well, they didn't. Maybe their account isn't active, so I'll give them a pass. I haven't had DiGiorno in a while. My oven broke, so what? I got to get what? a new oven. My stovetop works, but my oven. Don't. You don't own that apartment. Just <laughs> they're gonna give me one. No, they're yeah. gonna give. They said they're gonna give me one. By the way, Papa John's on Twitter, June third. What did they say? <clears throat> it's it's a thread. It's three tweets long. Okay. Nine months ago, I accepted the role of CEO for Papa John's. Who is this? this? Because this is because they got rid of the other guy. Yeah, who, who's this guy? Uh, in doing so, I accepted responsibility and accountability for creating the kind of company that our 120,000 team members and communities that we serve could be proud of. Our work has been focused on building a company that promotes and supports diversity, equity, and inclusion. We are not yet where we aspire to be, but I am so thankful for the progress we have made as it gives us the foundation to preserve, uh, persevere through these challenging times. Our hearts go out to our black employees, communities, and friends. We stand with you against racism and injustice. We will continue to work to drive change. Rob Lynch, president and CEO. And then it has a... Um, He's white. A JPEG of that last statement also. Oh, okay. Yeah. No Black Lives Matter, though. Um, this was... Yeah, this was June 3rd. No Black Lives no Matter. No Black Lives Matter. Mm, mm, mm. And... Can't bring themselves to say it, man. And then on uh, and little the next tweet was not until today, June tenth, when we're recording. Did Fuddrucker say it? And it was came. about their uh, Papadias, whatever it's called, the yeah. cheesy, melty, crispy. They all leave pizza. themselves. They all leave themselves the out. So I didn't really say it. I hope Fuddruckers did. Oh no! Hey Chris, turn your mic up a little bit. Okay, I'll turn. Okay. I didn't say nothing. They didn't say it. You know they didn't. I'm gonna check. Are they on Twitter? I'm checking now. Fuddruckers. There is a Fuddruckers account that's not verified. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the Fat Boy account. It's got 14,000 followers. That's a happy Fat Boy tweeting about Fuddruckers. I'm on. No, they're, they're, pic, they're posting pictures of burgers and shit. Yeah, if you're a Fat Boy, that's what you... No, I'm talking anything. about like like it's their food. Well, whatever it is. They didn't say anything. F-U-D-D, yeah, Fuddruckers.com. Don't have the Fable Blue chip chip enough to it? No, they but this, should. this doesn't even look like the FUD Ruckers that we have around here. There's the logo one that says looks My FUDs. Because they did change, some of them changed their logo. Um, five yeah. guys? Let's see. Let, now we're talking about burger places. Yeah, I went there Saturday. Five guys, five guys hasn't tweeted since May 29th. Nope. Damn. <laughs> well, maybe they just didn't... Uh, I don't know. Well, try not to get, try not to be like the CrossFit CEO. That idiot. Popeyes, June second. Oh, we love y'all niggas. Love. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. 
Popeye's you, know, you know we got love. You know we love y'all. Popeye's June 2nd. We are nothing without black lives. <laughs> damn, damn sure. It's true. There's no room for injustice. They came right with it. They came right with it. We commit <laughs> to strengthening every facet of our culture and policies to foster an environment where equality for black people is a priority. See? Every voice we use our platform to support this movement. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. <laughs> <laughs> right, right out the gate. We love black people. There's a picture. Okay. And I don't, oh, by the way, I don't know. You know, there's a, a related. A fist up. <laughs> I bet KFC ain't say shit. They have a related, the related tweet, the related accounts that you might like also with Popeyes. One of them is Skittles, and the other one is Carl's Jr. Uh, Skittles, Carl's by Jr. the way, had a little bit of a race problem for a minute. Oh, did Damn. they? Yeah, their CEO, I believe. Damn, KFC got a pen tweet. <laughs> Louisville is our home. Brianna Taylor and David McAtee were our neighbors. KFC rejects racism and brutality against black communities everywhere. Black Lives Matter. Okay. okay. Lift every voice. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, at Olive Garden, they haven't, <laughs> they haven't posted shit since May 30th. All right, what does Red Lobster have to say? Them motherfuckers they fuck better, them, man. They better, nah, man. They gotta, they gotta come on with it. They gotta say something, but they fuck much my money as black folks are putting into them cheesy biscuits. They gotta they come on. They fuck with my it. parents' order up. I, I've spent eighty three dollars of trying to get them some food. They never sent it. Red Lobster. They gave the money back though. Here we they, go. They're very active, by the way. They tweet every day. Going back to June second. Hate has no place in our restaurants or anywhere okay. else. We are proud to employ and serve people of all walks of life with hospitality and genuine caring. This is softly sounding awfully like an all lives matter tweet. Mm -hmm. We welcome everyone in our restaurants and expect Very everyone all, all lives matter to be treated equally and with respect they deserve. Hashtag blackout Tuesday. And they posted a black picture. Okay. Okay. And that was there. And then June 3rd, uh, it was back to meal deals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, that was right up to the edge of saying all lives matter. <laughs> Did Canada Dry say anything? I'm looking. Yeah. I, I'm just clicking on the related, and now I'm on Denny's. Oh, uh, so, they gotta say something. Denny's hasn't said shit since May 28th. Yeah, Denny's, uh, Denny's, had, Denny's another group with race with a race problem. Yeah. Not very active. Somebody put up today on Twitter. Uh, you ever go into a place that just feels like racism, and everybody was like Cracker Barrel. So Cracker Barrel was trending on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, Don't unfortunate for Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel. Well, first of all, it's called Cracker. cracker. <laughs> That's in the title. Damn, Canada Dry ain't say shit. Carl's Jr. has not said anything. What about Hershey's? Because I like Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I, all right, I'm going to look at um, Cheesecake Factory. What, what are the odds they've said something? They the NBA well, players love them. Cheesecake Factory has not tweeted since May 29th. Nah. May 30th, sorry. Nah. White Castle. They better tweet. We like White to Castle. make black people shit just like anybody else. Have <laughs> June have. 3rd, White Castle. Since we opened our doors in 1921. Ooh. White Castle already don't sound good. <laughs> Since we opened our doors to some people in 1921 <laughs> and the rest of you in 1964. 
since we opened our doors <laughs> in 1921, White Castle is and has always been a family. We are proud of our wonderfully diverse team You're and equally diverse cravers. <laughs> and White Castle stands in solidarity with all of our black family members. Like you, we want to express our outrage and grief over the tragic death of George Floyd, among so many others. But we also want to take action. We actively promote diversity and inclusion in our organization, including unconscious bias training, annual pay equity studies, increasing the recruitment of diverse candidates, and all the ongoing work of our DNI team to provide educational and engagement opportunities for all. I'm just going to skip through the end. They talk about systemic changes. Oh, here we go. We stand in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay. Who is this now? What group is this? White Castle. White Castle. Yeah, I mean, they better. What about Chick-fil-A? Did they do anything? <laughs> All right. That's they got to do something. Let's let's find out. They Do they tweet? Does they Chick-fil-A have yeah, a Twitter account? They tweet. Yeah, Chick-fil-A they tweet. Twitter. Huh? Yeah, they got All right. They it's, tweet. It's C-H-I-K, they were, right? They were getting into it with... Yeah, they got, they got a they million followers. Okay, were, I, got, I found it. I found yeah, it. I got it. Let's see. Yeah, June 3rd. Words are not enough. <laughs> <laughs> And they sometimes aren't strong the right opening. word. It's a strong <laughs> opening. This is our time. Our rock of Gibraltar. <laughs> words are not enough. There's three words you can say. That <laughs> Chicken is not enough. Uh, words are not enough. And they sometimes aren't the right words. God is watching th- you. We are watching you. <laughs> Your children are watching you. We want to say something. Racism should have no place in society. Not now, not ever. It cannot be tolerated. Our hearts are breaking for our black team members, operators, and staff, and all those in the black community who are suffering and who have suffered for too long because of racism. At Chick-fil-A, we know we have a role in moving all of us forward. We will listen. We will be intentional. We will share. We will act to build bridges to spread care and hope into our world today and always. Signed, Chick-fil-A. No Black Lives Matter, though. They didn't say Black Lives Matter. No, some no. somebody named Blanco Doll writes replied and said, "Y'all donated to real Donald Trump, Popeye's chicken. See you Sunday." You <laughs> <laughs> you were already going to Popeye's chicken. Don't act like you were. Yeah, I know. You was already heading there. <laughs> uh, RB he sent that said tweet nothing. from Popeye's parking lot. Wait, no, what is this? <laughs> now Panera Bread, you would think, being a progressive, seemingly progressive company. Um, June 5th also also starts with words are not enough. Of course. So they must have the same guy on staff. Of course. As Chick-fil-A. Words are not enough. We are starting in our hometown community, taking action by actively supporting our current partner, Urban League of Metropolitan St. Louis, through a monetary donation. We are committed to increasing diversity of our leadership teams, et cetera, et cetera. I'm looking for the hashtag or anything. No Black Lives Matter. Damn. Yeah. Uh, that's, McDonald's that's got it. That's the tell. Oh, wait. If you can't June say 1st, Black Lives Matter. Go back to June 1st. CEO of Panera Bread. I am stating very clearly Black Lives Matter. Boom. <laughs> First sentence. We will continue to make our company more inclusive, tolerant, respectful, compassionate, and truly a place where all belong. Boom. <laughs> well, so they came, a, with a, they came with a follow-up tweet. He threw an all in there at the end, and the all is in a different color font. So it was almost like Black Lives Matter, but we see you all, people. (laughs) (laughs) You know we got your back, all people. McDonald's has a good one. What does it say? 
they, well, they got like a video. They're they're like they said they were one of us. Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, Alton oh my Stern, God. Really? both from Gene, both from John, Atiana Jefferson, Ahmaud Arbery, George wow. Floyd, Black Lives Matter. They got a whole video. Yeah, oh, wow. well, and I mean, as many Juneteenth videos have they come know, up with? <laughs> McDonald's 360 and shit. Black, yeah. yeah. Calvin. Yeah, they sent Calvin to, to college. Come on. Calvin was one of us. <laughs> Uh, Jack in the Box has a black CEO, and guess what? They talk Nothing. about it. Oh, yeah. okay. I am a black man and husband and father to my black family. I am also the current CEO and chairman of Jack in the Box. My heart breaks for what so many in my community have had to endure. Now, I don't know that he said Black Lives Matter, but... Um, well, you get a pass if you are a black person yeah, he's, talking about it. Yeah. Unless you're a black person who's like that... that uh, Ben Carson, all lives matter, black people. And then if you're one of them, then you got a, you got a problem. Yeah. There's no, there's no systematic racism with his sleepy eyes. Oh, so this, the, the guy that I just mentioned is the CEO. And then there's the, another statement from the incoming CEO. I guess he's leaving the oh, first ran guy. Him out. Yeah. So they both made statements. So good job. Uh, Jack in the box. Naughty Dog hat. Naughty Dog literally said Black Lives Matter. This Naughty Dog, the company that is putting out The Last of Us Part 2. Now is not the time for any of us to be silent. For too long have too many suffered under a systematic problem in America. Too many have lost sons, daughters, brothers, sisters, fathers, and mothers. We stand in solidarity against racism and injustice. Now is the time for all to do our part and end anti-black racism and violence. Many of us at Naughty Dog are donating to national and local organizations. Please consider donating yourself. We hope to see the beginning of a lasting change for POC in America. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. All right. But well, all, all the black people die in their games, though. <laughs> <laughs> black Lives well, Matter one- in the first act. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and there's one character in uh, the Uncharted series uh, named, uh, oh shit, Nadine. She's black, but she's voiced by a white woman. Oh, that's not that. You can't do that. But The Last of Us 2, young, coming out on Juneteenth. By the way, uh, Mountain Dew, Pepsi, and Little Caesars all silent. R- Little Caesars, really? Yeah, Little Caesars is silent. Damn. What about Pizza Hut? Pizza Hut had to say something. I'm sure they said something, right? Pizza Hut? They had to. Let me find out. Pizza Hut restaurants. Pizza Hut uh, has not tweeted since May 29th. Damn. Mm-hmm. Everybody who everybody kind of went silent <laughs> right around the beginning of this, didn't it? Seems yeah. like it. You know what? Taco Bell has has said something. CEO Mark King. June 2nd, read the full letter from our CEO, Mark King. We're muting our channels for the rest of the week to reflect, learn, and listen. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and then the, the, the thing from the CEO says, uh, sometimes silence speaks the loudest. <laughs> oh, they twisted it. Yeah. They, they flipped try- it. <laughs> Not saying shit is saying Tr- shit. Trying to get yeah. out of it. <laughs> Ask Jerry Jones. Oh, you and we won't let ours... Oh, we won't let ours speak for us. Okay, they, okay, here we go. So let's be clear. We don't tolerate racism or violence against black people. We are committed to being part of long-term solutions, and we have more work to do. We are regrouping on the actions we take next because these words are not enough. More to come. We are listening. 
No Black Lives Matter. Apparently, Dak Prescott gave a million bucks to the cops. Yeah. <laughs> but he's just a kid, though, so it doesn't Just a count. kid. He gave a million dollars to them for training. Bomani Jones said he thought, he said, Jerry Jones going to like this. <laughs> <laughs> sign me, boss. He didn't say sign. He didn't say that, but he said he bet Dak thought that uh, Jerry Jones was going to like that. But uh, Jerry Jones um, is a dead-ass silent. He's louding out there when it was anything else. Now he's oh, like, I got nothing to say. And that's what uh, my man was saying in ESPN. Your silence, you are telling me where you stand on this. You've already told me. Yep. <laughs> told me yeah. repeatedly. Well, Burger King seems to care. <laughs> we stand, this is June 2nd. We stand with you in support of equality and justice for black lives. And we will use our platform, our position, and our voice to do so. And here, the, here they go with, with the branding. When it comes to people's lives, there's only one way to have it without discrimination. <laughs> Come on, Bert. I'd like my double whopper without oppression. <laughs> yep, you gotta have a you gotta have a whopper of freedom. Racism. I'm hating it. <laughs> <laughs> Hold the microaggressions, please, on my fries. Thanks. Oh. We got any emails, man. Oh, we got a bu- well, okay, we got a bunch of comments on Patreon. I think we're going to have to skip them because we're two weeks behind and there's right, a right, lot. Right. We did get some emails. So let's just go to the emails. Um, we got a couple. There was one that we teased last week from Aisha. Uh, it's called Not Sure What the Title Is Email. Hey, 3 Geo Gang and Socks. I'll address the elephant in the room first. The murder of George Floyd. When I saw the video broadcast on the Monday morning news, I was devastated and found myself instantly in tears. The tears flowed all week as I found a particularly hard week to be black in America. My mother, being in her mid-60s, believes that nothing has changed since the civil rights era. I, being 35, understands how she feels and feels even more hopeless for future generations. History is literally repeating itself this year in front of our very eyes, testing all of us in some odd way. If we have learned from the mistakes of our past, we haven't. As a black woman, married to a black man and has a black two-year-old son, I've always feared for their safety when leaving the house. Now more than ever, I'm tired, I'm pissed, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm scared, I'm tired of learning names and faces of individuals this way, all because they were unjustly killed by police. I do commend the mayor in Minneapolis for recognizing and stating out loud that the actions and pain, by the way, this was before they uh, booed him off stage last week. Right. (laughs) The mayor of Minneapolis. Uh, for not saying defund the police. Um, I do come in the mayor of Minneapolis for recognizing and stating out loud that the actions and pain of black folks is not from this one killing, but from a 400 plus year history of injustice and racism and for letting the city burn and for letting the city burn. I don't condone violence, but when a white man kills multiple people in multiple States, kidnaps a woman and steals a car and he's taken alive, but a black man allegedly tries to buy items with a fake 20 at a convenience store and he ends up being killed by police. There's clearly an imbalance of justice and all signs point to racism and some people need to die. Uh, now that said, I loved last week's Ted talk on assology <laughs> <laughs> by Frankie French. It was insightful and extremely thorough. P.S. I still listen to pull to the side episode, probably two to three times a month. Uh, it still makes me smile and laugh out loud. Uh, olden Polynesian is in my Andy Klein voice. The comedic timing and improv is amazing. PPS Trump's ass is a lie and a half. If his ass did not know or even think to imply the phrase when the looting starts, the shooting starts is racist as fuck. He knew that shit was problematic. That's why he said it with his bitch ass. When is he going to get the Rona and die? 
God. <laughs> I don't know. He seems impervious to everything. Uh, Mark sent us a, an email. Great shows. What's going on? I'm really liking the addition of video to the podcast. The show never disappoints, but something about actually seeing Romaine crack up at things that Rod said <laughs> brings even more worth to the Patreon. I hope you're able to keep this comp component even after the Rona packs her bags and leaves. Maybe it wouldn't be an every show thing. Break it out on special occasions like my mom does with the good China or something. Uh, how much money does it take to turn away from what's right? To leverage Rod's definition of impossible white man here, Whitlock was either born that way or mutated into this form. I think he would be out there saying these things for free, regardless of how he got paid. Others cough, Stephen A. cough, aren't quite there. His is more a respectability run amok behavior. The combination of income and celebrity creates a man who passes judgment on others for things he doesn't realize he still does sometimes, but it's different when he does it because reasons. I want to say that age is also a factor, that the need for respectability is lower in people born later, far removed from the church clothes at the summertime March period. But then you get the Doja Cats of the world. Maybe it's the internet. Black kids <laughs> see these cheeky white kids acting out with seemingly no comeuppance, telling off-color jokes and think they can be part of it. Not yet wise enough to know that they are not laughing with them when mocking them. I had to explain once to my young cousin why Smokey, a name he said, all the kids at school gave him was not nothing. Ultimately, it was me asking him what the name could be based on. No answers to this day. I think we know. I uh, think we know. I keep thinking I have nothing to say in email form, but then start rambling again. Thank you for your continued uh, for continuing with great content. I really do appreciate it. One more thing before ending this. It's not too personal. If it's not too personal, um, Andy, what is the pic? The one picture that you have in the room of what looks like a man with some kind of wizard hat holding two women. Huh? <laughs> That's my Rorschach answer. Anyway, I think about every time I see one of your video podcasts, I know media people uh, are getting sick of being asked about the background stuff. I'm not a media person in their home remote segments, but sometimes we just need to know. All right, that's it. Again, grab a great job holding it down. Glad YouTube let you back on. There's no one in a wizard hat behind me. That is a um, a fold out of the full size shot of Pearl Jam's first album cover art. It's all five of them standing around with their hands up like, a, like they're doing a, basically like the fun bunch high five for you uh, old school Redskins fans. Um, there's no wizard. No one's holding women. Uh, someone commented on YouTube that they thought I had an Optimus Prime picture behind me, but I don't. So no. maybe there's like a, I don't know, you can read into it, but look at Pearl Jam's first album cover 10. And then this is like the folded out version where you see all of them, not just the hands at the top. So there you go. And then one more email from Psycho Music. We got a beat. Hello, three guys on fam. Here's a little something I thought you may enjoy. This is a beat I made inspired by the things that are currently going on. Please feel free to check it out if you have a little time. Love your podcast. Keep up the good work. What do we got? Now, Psycho Music is uh, it's Psycho. It's all one word. Psycho and the music is M-U-Z-I-K. And he is on Spotify. I checked already. And uh, let me pull up the beat here so you guys can hear it. This song is called, or this beat is called Justice for George, Justice George Floyd Edition is what it's called. All right, here we go. 
interesting news from the Like a police whistle. Chris, feel free to drop a hot, hot four. It sounds uh, it sounds good. No, I want you to drop a freestyle. Throw oh, you want me to you. drop? You. Yeah. yeah. I could turn your headphones off. <laughs> yeah, turn, my, turn my headphones up. Pop the drop. I'm in the I'm in the I can't rap. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. This is good. Yeah. This is good quality stuff. Psycho Music has uh, several tracks on Spotify. Including a whole uh, like little mixed game of beats that I believe is quarantine related. City on lockdown is what it's called. Here's a song called Rona. A beat called Rona, I should say. I think it's all instrumental. Yeah, inner city blues. I'll have to check out more of his stuff. He's got a bunch of stuff on Spotify. Make a three guys on mixtape one of these days. Yeah, that's not bad. With our uh, our sock puppets rapping over these beats. That's not bad at all. That was called Rona. You gotta rap on beat. It's the Rona. <laughs> the Rona. That's the first song, and then the last song is called The Cure. It takes you on a journey. Could be in The Last of Us this this week. And the big question many are now wondering Uh-oh. is how close are we to finding a solution to the outbreak and how long can this go on for? That shit does. That happened at the beginning of The Last of Us. I know. This is just... <laughs> shit. This might as well be on The Last of Us. The Last of Us is more like string guitar driven though. Maybe this will be the next Naughty Dog game that stars a black protagonist. Step into the spotlight. Naughty Dog. The HBO is doing a TV series. I got to see if I can get cast as somebody that Joel or Ellie beats up. A black person that dies. They're doing Last of Us series? Yeah, on HBO. Huh. All right, we're going to have to get... Next time we have Petey on, since he freestyles, we're going to have yeah. to pull up a bunch yeah. of these. Mm. Beats from Infrared Crypto and Psycho Music, and we got some from Felt Five also. Psycho Music again, uh, Psycho Music M U Z I K on Spotify. It's all one word, but there's a bunch of stuff on there, and it's good stuff too. 
Infrared uh, Crypto gave me some beats for your podcast. Yeah, yeah, but I don't. I got to figure out how to work them in. Oh, like intro, outro music, that kind of stuff. Yeah, if I even want to do that, I don't know. Why not? I don't know. Well, you could do it? like um, you could do like you do your little intro, your little Mark Marin solo intro. Right. Yeah, and then you could for like five seconds between that and the interview, you can play that beat as a buffer. Play some beat. Yeah. yeah. Those would be long. Five, three to five seconds is all you need. Yeah. Where are we at, Andy? Uh, we are, well, I don't even know because we had a 35 minute. Yeah, so how long? Oh, we're, we've been on for like an hour without okay. that. Well, we're good. Yeah. Well, we did, good. Some, good, we did good. some good work. We just yeah. wanted to do something quick. Right. <laughs> all right. So let's bring it home. We want to thank you guys for coming in with us. We want to thank thank who gave us the beats? Psycho Music thanks at Psycho, Psycho Music, music the, on Spotify. Thanks, Psycho Music, for the beats. They were fantastic, as always. We have talented listeners, which I enjoy. Yeah, I really like I really like those beats. And also, yeah. there's more to dig into on Spotify. Right. I, by the way, Psycho Music, let us know if you're on Instagram yeah. or Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Felt Five we is on We follow everybody else. We follow everybody else. And we, Infrared we Crypto is on Instagram. Big up everybody that we can follow. So Yeah. Infrared Jeff dropped a nice beat on Instagram the other yeah, day. Yeah, he's been he's been doing that like little thirty second one minute snippets. Nice beat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hot fire starter. Re- um, uh, Kane is Kane put up Kane put up jokes. He puts up jokes videos, but he did put a, he did drop uh, part of his single too. So yeah, follow him. Kane is the name. We got talented people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, follow Ellie Mistel on uh, Twitter. M Y S T A L E L I E M Y S T A L. Um, he's a great follow on Twitter. He has a lot of legal information. He covers um, a lot of stuff going on with Supreme Court. His Twitter handle is L E N Y C at L E N Y C on Twitter. And, and he's funny. E L I E. Yeah. 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 Once funny. you go to his page, you'll be like, oh, I've no, I've seen that guy on TV. Yeah, you'll know him when you see him. You'll know him when you see him. He's hilarious. So. uh, and check him out. We want to thank Chris for sitting in with us. Thanks for having me, guys. Looking tired. I think we're all it's a little evening time. The chicken's got me. I haven't had chicken like that in so long. Not a meal like that in so long. I haven't had like fast food or restaurant food in uh yeah. eat some. You'll months. feel it immediately. <laughs> in months. It's been yeah. a long time. I've had like frozen food, like frozen dinners, the pizza yeah, and shit. I've done that. Yeah. I've been cooking a lot. I've done, I've done, is I've done a warm up wings, warm them up and then put the sauce on them. Yeah, I did that. I'll get wings at like Flip the pre pre made already wings. Mm. I've been making. I made some. I made some lemon pepper wet last week. Did lemon you get like a recipe wing. somewhere? I looked five, it up on, Give me my ginger ale and my five lemon peppers. All flats, nigga. <laughs> uh, I did. Uh, I got some chicken wings from Wegmans. And I looked up the a recipe on on you. All you got to do is like you fry you you fry it, and uh, you you just melt some butter and you put some uh, lemon pepper. You can do different things to it, but yeah, I did the I just I brined the chicken for most of the day, and uh, put the you know poured it out, put the flour on it, and uh, popped fried it. It was good, real good. Yeah. By the way, uh, just for the record, um, record. Applebee's, Snickers, Red Robin, Lay's, and Klondike. All silent. Wow. All silent. 
Wow. Did, wow. But Snickers is a part of like Mars, right? Is that a Mars company? Yeah, but Mars? they got their own Twitter feed. I mean, they look, should say something. Oreo said some shit. Okay, good. Wow. That's <laughs> so, like that's like snack <laughs> heroin. You can't have that shit in the house. I'll be strung out like I know. I'll keep it around for the song. for the what's kid. That? And I'm like, Oreos double stuff. I'm like, oh, what's that depressing Oreos. ass movie? That's like re- Requiem for a Dream for me. <laughs> <laughs> that shit, the milk and and uh, that shit can't have it in the house. Peanut butter Oreos are the are the way to go. Really, really, yeah. yeah. I just do double stuff. I'm good. Like uh, Reese's did a blackout Tuesday post, but otherwise they're silent. Butterfinger. Well, they did something, Andy. Butterfinger, Jesus. nothing. I mean, you know. You said five guys. Hit. What about Shake Shack? Did they say anything? All right. Before we go. Look, we're not Shack. going down this. We're not before, going we do, down before we go, I'll do Shake Shack. McDonald's well, said it, though. So We'll I mean, stop after I get to Shake Shack. Did they even tweet Shake Shack? There it is. Shake Shack at Shake Shack. You darkies can't even afford our burgers. Oh, Shake so. Shack just tweeted three hours ago a whole thing on criminal justice reform. Oh, shit. Oh, Jesus. Shake Shack has been tweeting, we stand in solidarity with both the LGBTQIA community and Black Lives Matter. Yeah, they're all about it. They're, this, this, yeah. they're not even posting about their food. <laughs> <laughs> it's all just shit about, about Black Lives Matter and shit. Good for them. Yeah. There you go. All right. All right. Y'all come on back on Monday. Back over to Patreon. Yeah. Ooh, can I plug something? Yes, absolutely. Okay, you can follow me at Chris Lamberth on Twitter and Instagram. I have an EP out called Failed Running Back, a comedy EP. And you can catch me on June 19th on Drunk Black History uh, on Friday, June 19th at 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. Zoom show. You can get links in my bio and all that good stuff. It'll be a good time. I all am right. taking time away from The Last of Us Part Two to... Perform. <laughs> to, get, to get drunk and perform. To perform. So on on that show. So it's, it's yeah. really good. All right. All right. Y'all enjoy your Thursday. Uh, we want to thank y'all for coming in with us. We hope you enjoyed this little bit of something that we gave to y'all. Uh, that's about that's all I got. Andy, you got anything? Yeah, uh, I got uh, nothing. My neighbor just put up a Blue Lives Matter flag. Uh, Are you serious? Today. Probably because he saw, probably because he saw his wife walk in with a. Well, my wife, first of all, she didn't notice. She took the dog out earlier today, like, I don't know, 11 a.m. We should have led with this. She didn't notice the flag, but I know it wasn't up yesterday. I noticed it a little bit later. I hadn't looked outside, but she had a George Floyd, I can't breathe t-shirt on that she got at the protest last week. Mm. The back of it says no justice, no peace, Black Lives Matter. The front has a picture of George Floyd, I can't breathe. And she was standing kind of in front of that guy's garage and he had his garage door open. Taunting him. um, she would have, he would have seen the back of the shirt, put it that way. She was standing there taunting him, taunting and him. So I don't know if the flag was already up, but I do know that today, the flag, today of all days, this guy's lived there for two months. Today, a brand new Blue Lives Matter flag went up. So I think I might go over there and ask him his top five uh, cops who were killed where uh, they're, not, uh, they're not pursuing the perpetrator and they're not going to prosecute him. Because isn't that... I mean, Black Lives Matter is about criminal justice reform, right? Yeah. When cops get killed, they go after the guy that did it. That's the point. Yeah, right. So there's no, the system already tells you that Blue Lives Matter over and over again. You don't have to declare it. Black Lives Matter is to say, 
the system is not prioritizing things when black people are killed. So whatever. I'll go ask him. He's new. He just moved to the neighborhood. Why not? He's got a lot of gun stickers on his Jeep. Of course. <laughs> Idaho license plate. Oh, wow. God. <laughs> oh, they're well. Oh, Lord. It's a couple with a kid, and they got a little tiny dog. Ugh. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, and then my next door neighbor has a Rush Limbaugh license plate. Right. I'm surrounded. This is in Leesburg, right? This is an Ashburn, which is a Ashburn. very blue area. They're the ones who are the dying breed. So I take solace in that. You know, mm. they just all just came next to you to die. <laughs> uh, yeah, it turns out. I mean, you know, you know what? It's those two houses. They have kids about the same age. And like on day one, the kids were best friends. I was like, OK, they have some shit in common in their houses. That's what's going right. on. What kind of guns is your dad brandish? <laughs> <laughs> Did your dad and she show the time news? <laughs> right. I'll what show you. Of, what kind of states' rights do you believe in? <laughs> your daddy. <laughs> right to own the blacks. Yeah. So right outside my window, I can see the Blue Lives Matter flag. Proud big fly. They trade Confederacy cards instead of Pokemon cards. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't even know if kids do that. Oh, you got the Stonewall Jackson? <laughs> oh, my God. I got Robert E. Lee. Mine's better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got a Union soldier. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Dead. He tried to get away, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, those, those blue, lives, blue lives did not matter. Gray lives matter. All right, so let's bring it on home. Oh, thanks, guys, for coming with us today. We appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all. It's 9 o'clock. Appreciate y'all, as always. I'm Randolph Terrence. I'm Andy Klein. And I'm Chris Lambert. And we want to thank Ellie Mistal again for coming in, and thank all you guys for listening. We're three guys on, and we're out. 